Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. You excited? Have you had fun? How many have been enjoying the First John so far? You've been like enjoying it. Hey, it's, it's a lot of fun working through a book of the Bible, isn't it? Right? Isn't it? You know, because sometimes you, you pre, I like to preach expository, pick a text and preach it, but it's nice when you work right through a book because it is a book and it was written with a beginning and an end and a, a purpose and all those things involved. So it's, it's great to be able to study the Bible together like that, don't you think? I was listening uh, down in Jamaica just before I had to go preach. I had the service on my iPhone, heard uh, Holly leading and going. I went, this is good stuff. Sounds good. They're shaking and baking there in London. And uh, then I listened to Zach later on on the uh, live stream archives. I listened to the archives and that was some good preaching. There's some good stuff going on there. So, you know, if you didn't hear it, you need to go back and listen to it because it's, it's pretty hard to go back and recap three weeks and bring it to where you are now. But that was a real lot of good stuff. But we're going to pick up right there and we're going to start where we are right now. Are you ready? So I'm gonna, today I'm talking about surrounded and free. Surrounded and free. So I'm going to take two sections of the book of John because they both deal with antichrists and false prophets. So I'm going to cover that topic for you today. Amen? Amen. Antichrists and false prophets, hallelujah. I'm going to cover that for you today. Just a little bit of a recap, though, just to kind of help you a little bit. Now, the Bible was not written to you, or it was not, it was not written to you, it's written for you. That's an important distinction to have because sometimes people take like it's like folks down there saying you got to wear a head covering and you can't, you know, preach without a head covering. That's people that are thinking the Bible was written to you. And they think that there's things in there that, that were written to you and they're still relevant and they take things out of context and they try to apply those things to a future generation, which it was never intended to do. And so a lot of times you can study the Bible and you can take things out of context because you really think it was written to you. The Bible's not written to you. John wasn't writing to you, but it is for you. The things he's writing to those people are good, but you gotta understand who those people are. You gotta understand why he wrote it and why he had to say those things to them because those are things important to them. They may not be specifically the same things that you need to hear, but you can, through the Spirit, you can, you can glean things and gain understanding. You can be helped by the, the precepts and the truths that he was teaching. Can I get an amen? amen. I, was, I was stumbling over all kinds of words right there. Did you get that? So it's a personal letter written 2,000 years ago. I mean, oh my goodness. You know, that was a long, long time ago. So you got to understand who it was, understand who wrote it, who it was written to, and all those things are you going to sometimes get yourself in a strange way. But I love John. I mean, John, John is the, the guy who, I mean, he did write the book and he, he wrote it about himself, but he said, you know, I'm the one that Jesus loved. It's me. I'm the guy. Who are you, John? I'm the one that Jesus loved. What a great revelation. Isn't that awesome? I mean, you should have that revelation. Who are you? I'm the one Jesus loves. And that is a great revelation. And John's the one who said, God is love. And so John really made a big deal of that. And he's a guy who can do it because he really was probably in Jesus' life and time. He probably was the one who was the most intimate with Jesus. I mean, literally hanging on the cross, writhing in pain, every single joint disjointed. How many have ever, ever 
uh, put something out of joint. You've dislocated something. Is that painful or what? I mean, I dislocated my shoulder, a posterior dislocation. So not the one that drops forward, but the one that goes, pops all the way out in the back. Like my shoulder was like, just weird. But it was ridiculously painful. Now I was in Cuba and a lady was on a sailboat and she dislocated her shoulder, a posterior dislocation. And I saw her with the sling on and I said, what happened? She said, I dislocated my shoulder. I said, was it a posterior dislocation? She said, it was. I said, it was. How painful was that? She was so painful. I said, I know. I said, have you had children? She said, yes. I said, was the dislocation worse? She said, yes. I said, I knew it. (laughs) Cheryl says, what? I said, just saying it was my own research. But, but, you know, Jesus, every single joint. Not enough of a sample group. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. No talking from the bleachers. But I mean, he totally dislocated everything. And here he is writhing in pain, but there he is still thinking about people. He's still thinking about his community. He's thinking about his mother. And he speaks to John. He says, John, behold your mom. Mom, behold your son. Like, that's a pretty amazing relationship because, I mean, Jesus had brothers and sisters. But he said, this is a pretty crazy situation for mom. Mom, nobody, nobody might not even understand what's going on right now. But John, you do. And John, you're going to see my mom through. I want you to take care of her. So here's a guy who, who Jesus had real intimate knowledge of. But then he's also a guy who probably wrote this book, you know, at least 70, 80 years old, maybe even longer when he wrote this book. So here's a guy who saw the resurrected Christ, had a revelation of Christ on the Isle of Patmos, who had an experience with the church and, and moving in the spirit. So here's somebody who had personal knowledge of Jesus, the person, in every way. And yet somebody who experienced the Christ in him as he ministered with the church and as he walked with the church and he began to see the church birthed in a, in a very pagan culture and society. This wasn't like trying to preach to people who went to Sunday school 100 years ago and won't you come back to church. These are people who didn't even know about Jesus. What are you talking about? There was a man who was God. Are you kidding me? But here's a guy who had a lot of revelation on so many levels, and he wants to talk to the church. He wants to talk to us about God and how to overcome some obstacles and some troubles in the day. So he's a good guy to pay attention to. So John John said, Jesus was totally manifest. I mean, the person Jesus was completely manifest in every way. He said, I fully experienced him. I know Zach said he's probably smelled him. I don't know what that was all about. I wasn't sure about that doctrine right there. I'd imagine if you smelled Jesus, it would have been Lily of the Valley, Rose of Sharon. I can't imagine Jesus having B.O. at all. So I have to talk to Zach about that because I almost had to turn off the recording right there. I said, my Jesus stinketh not. You know, I just was really, but anyways, we'll have a conversation. How many of you just feel that right now? Just, not at all, just me. Okay, sorry. You know, I have my own ideas of Jesus never sweat, but anyways. All right, so you can have the same. I love it. John's saying that intimacy that I had, it's open to you. And John is saying, you don't have a relationship with a God who's afar off. Anything, anytime anybody teaches anything that makes you feel far away from God, it's not the word of God. Because John's saying, I was right up close, intimate in every way. And he said, I want you to know that the same fellowship I had, it's granted to you. And everyone has full access to it. Say, that's good to your neighbor. Say, that's good. Say, I'm not sure what he's talking about. Say, it's still good. All right. You can have the same intimacy. And then John said, ah, it fills me. And it'll fill you with great joy. Say, joy. 
And he says, come on, come on, everybody, come on, welcome into the family. So one of my favorite lines from Zach Sloan, it was this. He said, this is not a prescription for Christian living. This is a description of what happens when you get placed in Christ. I really, that was good. I wrote that one down. How many taking notes right now while I'm talking? Three people, fantastic. <laughs> you got to write stuff down. And I just, this is not, see, when you read 1 John as if it's, it's a prescription for Christian living, you can, you can see things and you're trying to, you know, take your vitamins there. But it's not a prescription. It is a description of what happens when you're placed in Christ. Because folks, it's done. It's done. I was preaching that in Jamaica. It's done. And I had some lady came running up to me right after, said, it is done. It's done. It's done. I said, absolutely. That's like she heard it for the first time. You know, there's so many people who come to church and it's do, do, do. You know, the word is it's done. What happened to you? It's done. You can't improve on it. Religion tries to make you, give you a lot of ways. You can improve on what Jesus did. You can be in Jesus plus. That's just weird stuff, but it is a description. It is so, it is so. First John 1, 5, it said, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you. You ready? What if it says this is the message, underline it and pay attention. What's the message? This is the message. He said that we heard from him and we declare it to you that God is light. Don't you love how simple that is? God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. So there's two kinds of people. There's in light people and in darkness people. And then there's in the light people. There's 500 degrees of light people. No, there's only two kinds of people in light or in darkness. But you know what? If you start thinking that, yeah, but in the light, there's some people that are more in the light than others. There's some people that have just achieved a greater glow. That's where it all gets kind of weird and creepy. So you're either in the light or you're in darkness. Uh, let me read you a couple other verses. You ready? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. You were once darkness, but now you are light. Once you were darkness, but now you have an opportunity to grow in the light. No, 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 no. It says you were once darkness, but you are light. Now walk. Why would they use the word like walk? Because everybody walked. It's an every, here's the everyday thing. Here's, here's what you do now every day. Walk in that light. You are light. Walk in that light. Live it out every day. Let it burst forth from you because you are light. Colossians 1.13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us or transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. We were once in the kingdom of darkness. Now he transferred us. He conveyed us. He has moved us into the kingdom of his own son. Who did it? Who? Who did it? He did it. You didn't put yourself there and you can't take yourself out. He put you there. And he has put you into the kingdom of his own son. He has moved you from darkness to light. You are light. Say to your neighbor, you are light. 
Wow, and that's the absolute truth. And these are the things John's trying to share. The thing about John, though, see, I like the Apostle Paul a lot because the Apostle Paul writes like one big run-on sentence. And that's the way I write, too. It's just one big run-on sentence because I'm brutal at grammar. You know, I don't know where to put a comma, period. I don't know. I just keep writing. That's why sometimes I just put dot, dot, dot because I'm not sure what should go there. I just keep writing, you know. And the Apostle Paul, he just kept writing like one big, long sentence. And it was all flat line, linear stuff, good stuff. But John, he's like a poet. I mean, he writes in circles and he comes back to this and moves over here, comes back there, moves over here, compares this to that. It's just like, so you got to pay attention. It's kind of like, you know, I preach one way, Cheryl preaches another way, Zach preaches another way, Bill would preach another way. Everybody preaches a little bit different. You go, well, I like that preaching. Well, I like that. Well, you know, it's all sometimes people, how they convey things and share things. One person's all over the place. One shouts, one talks, one spits. I mean, John, he had a different way of writing. And so when you do that, you have to understand, I'm reading a guy who didn't write like Paul did. He wrote like John, and I better understand even his literary style. Can I get a hallelujah? How many knew studying the Bible was so hard, so complicated? But it's really important that you study it well and, and study it properly. So he puts you in, God puts you in. So we're going to read these scriptures, all right? So I don't have them all on the screen. They just got portions of it. So hopefully you got a Bible. How many have a Bible? You know, it's good to have like a real one that you mess with, that you can underline and that you can, you know, cry over and weep over and celebrate over. And I got one Bible. It's one of my favorites because I... Uh, when I came back to the Lord as a teenager, I just, God just touched me in such a huge way. And I, I love going back to that Bible because it's like I get captured and stirred up again in that whole place in my life. And I got one place, and it's in Isaiah 6, where I was studying. I saw the Lord, and he was high and lifted up, and his glory filled the temple. And I was just meditating on that. And the Lord spoke to me. And I said, what do I got to do for you, Lord? He said, nothing. Just be who you are. It's not about you. I, I'm going to use you. I, I just need the vacant lot. Just show up. I'm just crazy about you. And I got such a strong revelation that God didn't want me doing anything. He just wanted me to be in him, to be in his life and see him high and lifted up. And I fell asleep in that revelation. And when I fell asleep, I drooled on my Bible. And when I woke up in the morning, I pulled my face off my Bible and the word it did stick to my mouth. And so I can go back there. I can go get that Bible right now. And I can pull off that part where there's a bit missing out of Isaiah 6 because I did eat it. So I got on there and I kind of, oh, I got that in my belly. So, amen. I, I don't know if it's still there, but probably not. But you got to have a Bible, a Bible you can mess with. I know you come to church and you can follow with your PDA or your whatever it is. Or I don't, is it a PDA or a PFA or PNA? Am I old guys? Not PDAs anymore. What is it called now? An electronic listening device? I don't know. I don't know what it, whatever it is, you know, it's good, but I like a hard copy myself. I got a Kindle and I get books on my Kindle and I like to read them, but, but it's hard to mark up my Kindle. And now I'm trying to get the uh, highlighter off of my computer now, but, uh, cause it's just really hard to, <laughs> but I want to highlight stuff and I want to, so I have an email and stuff to me, but I like, I like a book. Cause when you read the book, you can go back, you remember where you got the revelation. You open up and go, yeah, it's right there. That's just me, I guess. I don't know about you. Maybe I'm old. How are you guys doing today? Are you okay? Cheryl's tapping the clock. I got to move on. Oh, my goodness. I got stuck right there. So, so let's read the text. You ready? Little children. It's 1 John 2, 18. 1 John 2, 18. Little children, it is the last hour. Say it's the last hour. It was then, it is now, it always has been. Amen. There's your end time teaching for the day. 
And as you have heard that the Antichrist, or Antichrist, because that is actually not in the text, it's just Antichrist is coming. Antichrist means against Christ, against the Messiah, against Christ, against the Anointed One, is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they wouldn't have continued, they would have continued with us, because, but they went out that it might be made manifest that none of them were of us. That's confusing, isn't it? So that's not like some people were in church and they went to another church, so they're, they're not believers, because like if they really were believers, they would have stayed here. It's not like that. Like back then, they just had that group of believers, and there were some people who heard a new teaching, a new religion, really, something that had never been heard before. So they came and they were listening and checking it out for a while and doing all the stuff, and then they wandered off. And he says, you know, if they wandered off, he's literally saying, don't be concerned about that. I mean, there might have been people who came in and it looked like they were gaining traction, but they didn't. They fell off. He says, if they went out from us, they were never part of us. And the fact that they went out from us shows that they, they really, they didn't get it. They, they, they just weren't born from above. Don't know why that was, but that's what happened. And that happens sometimes, even today in the body of Christ. Some people come, they check it out, they whatever. And you, you, you think, well, I want to see them grow. And then they just wander off. I don't know what happened there. I'm not trying to judge it or figure it out or anything, but, but it was confusing for them. And it's something John had to address and he had to share with them, right? Okay. Thanks for clearing that up, pastor. All right. So, but you say, but you, but you, now I want to deliver you from that fear. You, that's not going to happen with you. It's not going to happen with you. You, you got it. You got it. I mean, people came and went, don't be frightened going, I wonder if I really got it. Well, maybe if, if they could lose it and wander off and have nothing to do with it. I mean, maybe I, maybe I don't really have it. So that's what he's trying to address there is the fear that, am I really a child of God? I mean, am I really in or am I faking it like what I saw? I don't know. I mean, in this town, we had a guy who was the pastor of the largest church in that denomination who a few years ago left the ministry and he still calls himself a reverend and he has a, uh, he has a space under reverend in the newspaper and he writes religious stuff. But when he left his church, he wrote a whole book about, I don't believe in God anymore. That's really weird. And I had people talk to me because this guy was a part of the CCNL. He was on the, the, the primary council of the Christian Churches Network of London. And he was on the steering committee that ran the thing. And now suddenly we had a guy in our community who's now writing books and sending them out to everybody and talking on the, the news and, and, and you know, writing in the paper that, hey, I'm a religious guy, but I don't believe in God. I don't believe in Jesus. Don't believe that we really ever had a savior. Folks, I've had people talk to me who said, that's confusing. And I said, I would agree. But the fact that he successfully did that might tell us that he never really got it. I'm not looking to judge people who did it, but you know, if you can actually come to that conclusion, it might possibly be that you never had it right in the first place. So what he's saying is that this isn't you. That's not you, but you. See, that's them, but you. Now, you've seen some people come and go. You've seen some people check out this, you know, Jesus is the Messiah. You need to trust him. He's the only way to God. You need to have faith in him. You've seen people come check it out, sing our songs, do our dances, and they're not here. And they say, yeah, it's rubbish. It's not for me. That's not for you. That's not you. It's not going to happen with you. You, you, what you, what? Are you okay? All right. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. 
I have not written you because you don't know the truth. See, those people didn't know the truth. Those people embraced lies. They didn't know the truth. I'm not writing to you because you don't know the truth, but I'm writing to you because you do know the truth and that no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? The liar is the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is antichrist. Who is the liar? The liar is the one who says Jesus is not the Christ. Who is somebody who says Jesus is not the Christ, the anointed one, the son of God, the one who gives us access to the father? Who is that person? That person is a liar. That liar who comes against Christ, that person is antichrist. How you doing? All right. He, Antichrist, denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Verse 24, therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us. It is eternal life. I want you to know that you don't have some frail, partial life that will come and go. I don't want you to think that you're in as long as you can hang on. I don't want you to think you're in as long as you can stand it. I don't want you to believe that your salvation is fragile because the life that he gave you, it's eternal life and it's strong, it's powerful and it's lasting and it's from God himself. So he's coming against false teachers. He's writing as a concerned father for the body of Christ. Verse 26, these things I have written you concerning those who try to deceive you, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. I love the Amplified. It says the anointing that you have received from him abides in you permanently. Permanently. The anointing, folks, the anointing is not something that flutters through the room and you go, ooh, I felt the anointing. And you can feel the presence of God. There's times you can experience the presence of God. But the anointing is something that abides in you permanently. Remember when I was a young pastor, I used to love the song. We'd sing, anointing, fall on me. Anointing, fall on me. Let the power of the Holy... But I was just, I hate singing that song. I, I like the whole thing. It's moving and soulish way. I kind of, but I said, it, just, it bothers me though because it, it creates a mindset in people like I'm trying to get something I don't got. I'm trying to have something that somehow, somehow, God, please anoint me. And yet when I read my Bible, it says you are anointed. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am anointed. And then add to this, I am permanently anointed. I mean, permanently anointed. This one won't wash out, go out like a perm in your hair. I mean, you are permanently anointed. Can I get a hallelujah? All right. I don't want anybody to deceive you. I don't want you to get deceived. So what do you want to say to me? The anointing you received, it abides in you permanently and you don't need anyone to teach you. You see, there's people coming in, you know, you need more teaching. You need more. I know they brought you that Jesus stuff and he's the Messiah, but, but you need to step into a new realm of secret knowledge and deeper teachings. Come, let me be your guru. And you see, he had false teachers and false prophets and people trying to lead the people astray from you are light. You are light. Yes, but I'm going over to this group because they are light plus. And then there's this group. He's teaching light plus, 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 plus. And he's saying, stop it. Quit running around after these things. You got that anointing and you don't need some special guru or teacher. You got the anointing permanently in you and it will teach you all things. Oh, what are we missing? We didn't get everything with Jesus. We need Guru Slobberhead over there. Ooh, let's go hear him. He'll add something to me. 
It says, when you got the anointing Bible, how many of you like your Bible? So this was written for you. Might not have been written to you, but it's written for you even today. Because even today, we got false teachers and false prophets. What anointing did you get? You got the anointing from on high. You got it personally from him. And that anointing is on you and it abides permanently. And that anointing, that anointing will teach you all things. Praise God, I don't need to go to church and hang out with you people anymore. Because I got the anointing. He teaches me every day. He also gave you apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip you for works of service, to train you in righteousness and help you. And it says that those are going to be there until we reach the full stature, the full nature, the full revelation of Christ himself. Well, I don't get it. Well, here's the thing. You know what a teacher should do? A teacher, a five-fold ministry, should never attach you to themselves. They should attach you to him. Because I'm not equipping you to learn how to follow my process. I'm just pointing to him and saying, he's over here. And that anointing is in you. He's a big God. You can trust him. And I want to equip you to unpack all that he has done for you. I don't want to become your professional listener. I will hear from God for you. I want you to hear from God. So I don't want to be the hearer. I want to tell you. Here's what I want to tell you. Here's the message. You can hear from God. You have an anointing from God that permanently abides in you, and he will teach you. So here's my teaching. He will teach you. Here's my teaching. Get hooked up with him. He's in you. He abides in you. You have an anointing permanently. They will teach you all things. Hallelujah. So we need people that will constantly remind us of that and constantly help us unpack our connection with everything that God's done for us. Did that make sense to anybody? Because I don't want you to leave thinking, I don't need Pastor Carl anymore. You need me. You know why? Because I need you. <laughs> that anointing, it teaches us. How are we doing, Pastor Cheryl? But the anointing which you've received abides in you. You don't need anyone to teach you, but that same anointing teaches you concerning all things. It is true. It's not a lie. And just as it has taught you, abide in him. It taught you and you will. See the permanence of this. It teaches you because what's their fear? There's people who've drifted away. You won't drift away. Don't worry about drifting away because you received an anointing from the Holy One that has fixed you and established you. You got that deposit of God in you that's permanent. Don't you fret about that. Don't you worry about that. You know for yourself that you abide in him and you will abide in him. Not you might or be careful that you do, but you will. You will you will abide in him. Now we're going to pop over to 1 John 3, 24 at the end of chapter 3. We've been talking about the Father, talking about the Son, but now suddenly he goes, now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. We know it by the spirit who he has given us. So John puts a lot of things circular back and forth all over the place. And, and sometimes the enemy can take that and say, like, here's how you know you're a believer. You actually obey the word of God. So if you're not obeying, the, these are not tests. These are direct statements of this is what a believer's life is like. It's not a prescription to live the Christian life. It's a description of the Christian life. You got to really make sure you keep that in place. Okay, so he ends third John 3, he says, Now the Spirit whom he has given us, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, 
you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus is the Christ come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. I was in a meeting once. It was really, really powerful. The spirit of God was moving. People were getting touched. People getting healed, whacked, falling out, laughing, doing stuff. I had one concerned lady at the back, really concerned. And she came up for prayer, but she looked at me and says, Say this after me. And I said, sure. Jesus Christ is the son of God come in the flesh. I went, Jesus Christ is the son of God come in the flesh. I went, oh. And I knew she was like, I'm going to test you because what's happening here concerns me. You're a false teacher. But when I said that, she went, oh. You can't say that except by the spirit of God. I said, what are you concerned about? And she was like, she, she, was, she had a revelation that God's no fun. When you come to God, it's all pain and agony and misery. Said these people are having too much fun. God's moving. They're enjoying the service. I endure services. So she wanted to know was I the real deal? Funny stuff, eh? So anyway, there's there's that little test there. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is coming into the world and is now even come. Are you following? You tracking? All right. Verse four. You are of God. You are of God, little children. Come on. And you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. There's false teachers, there's antichrist, there's people that are trying to challenge your faith or lead you astray. You're fixed, you're established in God. You have overcome them. You've even overcome the ones that are gonna come tomorrow or next week. You have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as the world and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who does not know God does not hear us. Come on. But this we know, that the spirit of truth, by this we know what is the spirit of truth and what is the spirit of error. All right, so here's John in his context. He's dealing with something called Gnosticism. Say Gnosticism. This is really simple. You could study this for all kinds of days, and I studied it in Bible school. It was, gave me a headache. All right, but Gnosticism, the teaching that the spirit is entirely good and matter is entirely evil. Highly simplified stuff right there. But they believe that the spirit is good and matter is evil. There's, there's Gnosticism in the church today. You might even have a bit in yourself. You know, that I'm trying to be good and I'm in the spirit. When I'm bad, I'm not in the spirit. That, that's actually Gnostic thinking. It's dualism. And dualism is very, very prevalent, even in charismatic circles. We, we have this dualistic thing, this battle, the good, the bad, you know, devil on one shoulder and angel on the other. And we, we struggle with, you know, some stuff. But break it down, two extremes of the dualism, it breaks down two ways. Number one, it steps into ascetic teaching. See, if you don't accept that God's done it all, if you don't accept and you want, you want Jesus plus, you step into ascetic teaching. So you say, yes, we accept Jesus, but how many want to go deeper with Jesus? See, that's hard to say, isn't it? You know what the devil said to Adam and Eve? Don't you want to get closer to God? That's what he said. And you know what they said? Yes. Wow. That, that's, that's a doctrine of demons. <gasps> wow, that was pretty severe, Pastor, right there. That's how the devil tripped up Adam and Eve. 
because he told him to desire something he already got. Try to achieve something that's a gift. Try to achieve something that is your very nature and try to achieve it in your own effort rather than realizing it's a gift of God. How are you? Are you okay? Don't you want to go deeper? And we sing songs like that. We, and I hear them and I'm singing them. I go, it's a nice song, but I realize that it can reinforce in us that God's holding out on us until we exert a significant amount of effort to get to another level in him. How close can you get to God? You can't get any closer than you are right now. How much more understanding can you have of your revelation of where you are right now? Lots. But you can't go deeper. You can't get closer. But you can unpack the revelation of how awesome this relationship is. Did that help anybody just a little bit? <laughs> All right. <laughs> just, just trying. All right. Doesn't he smell good? Hey, you're really, really close to him. And it, how many is Lily of the Valley? How many? How many roses, Sharon? How many Old Spice? <laughs> okay, I don't know. I don't know if they had Old Spice back then, but, but it's Old Spice, so maybe they did. Okay, pastor, move on. All right, Gnosticism, two extremes. Ascetic teaching, you escape the evil realm through harsh treatment of your body. If you want to get, get free of all the things that entangle you, then we have to be careful, and we got to get into all kinds of rituals of what we can eat, what we can't eat, you know, what we can taste and smell and walk in, and what kind of shirts you can wear. Can they be cotton or rayon or blends? You can get in all kinds of stuff, and you're doing all kinds of outer stuff trying to get closer to God, and it just really is rubbish, okay? Are you okay? All right. Just, just stop for a second and say, sorry. Yeah, okay, good. All right. Number two licentious teaching and it's always these extremes because then there's other people who kind of go you know what if there's dualism and there's a flesh and there's a spirit then maybe really all that matters is spirit and whatever we do in the flesh doesn't even register so case or just do it all and who gives a rip because you know what it's just as long as you got the spiritual part figured out who cares what happens in the natural realm you can sin carry on be immoral do all kinds of stuff and it don't matter it don't matter because it's really only a spiritual you know salvation it's just a connection with God that is highly spiritual and it really don't don't even matter what you're doing down here. That's why I put matter don't matter. That's it. How many think that was? Thank you, Pastor. That was an unpacked Gnosticism in a very simple way. A very, very simple way. Really, maybe too simple. But there it is. So do what you want in the flesh realm because it's only the spirit that matters. So basically, you take those two other words, like legalism and license. And, you know, when you get in a situation where it's a lot of legalism and when they're putting a lot of, you know, stuff in front of you and God and you got to jump through a lot of hoops to get close. Let me tell you, don't mean to offend you. Okay, I really don't. But it's probably not from God. Are you okay? Are, how many are actually here? Check and see if you have a pulse. Just, okay. Good. So that's, that's, thank you. But, oh, I got to move on. This is terrible. All right. Sorry about that. All right. So there's many antichrists. All right. Antichrists and false prophets. First John 2, 22, who is a liar, but he who denies that Jesus Christ is Christ. Jesus is Christ. Who is that person? He is antichrist. So that's what antichrist is. Well, I thought antichrist was like the guy who's going to show up at the end and he's going to kind of, uh, that's a whole, I can give you a whole lot of books and stuff. You can read about that. And then in all of those areas, I agree with my friends. Okay, good. Thought we, glad we got that worked out. First John 4, 4 to 6, there are many false prophets and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is 
the spirit of Antichrist. So this is clearly laid out what was Paul dealing with, or John, sorry, John was dealing with people who didn't acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Son of God, that he was the Messiah, that he was from God, and that God did come in the flesh. So this was the struggle that Paul was having in that day, all right? So John, sorry, John, thank you. John and Paul, Paul said the same thing. Look here, look here, right here with this slide, right here. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So here's Jesus talking in the last day before he's crucified. He's talking in that last upper room discourse with his disciples. Give me another slide. And then he says again, right, that same, same talk he had with them, same meal. He said, I still have many things to say to you. I got so much I want to teach you. I want to unpack so much truth and revelation. I, uh, I mean, I right now would love to just open up your head and go, bam. I, just, I, I got so much I want to impart to you that is so important. But he said, but I cannot do it because you cannot bear them now. The greatest teacher who ever existed couldn't teach them the things they needed to know. Couldn't do it. It's not that he couldn't share it and talk about it. They couldn't take it. They couldn't bear it. They couldn't receive what he wanted to put in their hearts. He said, you can't do it. However, however, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into some truth layer by layer chip at a time. He will lead you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Can I get an amen? Amen. In all these things, he'll do it to glorify me. He'll declare to you things that are yet to come. Now, let's look at Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, or chapter 1, 21, 22. Now, he who establishes, fixes, I mean, establishes, nails you down in Christ and in you and has anointed us in God who also sealed us and has given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. He establishes you. He fixes you. He anoints you in God. He seals you. He's given you a spirit. Paul's talking about God did it right. When you came into the kingdom, you were fixed, established. I mean, you got the whole package right there. Then in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 16, he says, it is written, I has not seen, ears not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yet, yes, even the deep things, and I love the Amplified, says even the unfathomable things of God. So he's taking an Old Testament passage. You know what they used to say? They said, I hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. You know, that's how we used to talk. Guess what? We're in a new covenant, and now he's giving you a spirit. You know what? We didn't know. We couldn't see, couldn't understand. Now we can see, understand, and we can know everything, even the deep unfathomable. Can you imagine? Say unfathomable. In stuff you can't even fathom, God says that you, by the Spirit, can search it all out. That is so awesome. He says you can search it all out, the deep things of God. For what, what man knows the things of the Spirit except the Spirit reveal it? Well, even so now, you know the things of God. Who knows it except the Spirit? But we have received, not a Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of God, that we might know, that we might know, that we might know. And that word know is intimate, experiential knowledge that we might know, that we might be fixed in. It's not just a know that we heard. It's a know that gets on you and grabs you and wraps you up and it'll never let you go, no. That you might know the things that have been given freely from God. So good. The natural man can't receive it. It has to be a spiritual man. It's the spirit of God. And he says that he finishes up by saying, but we have the mind of the anointed one. 
We have that anointed mind. So you have the anointing. So John's whole thing is, and he's agreeing with Paul, and he, when Jesus told them, man, I'd like to give you stuff now, but I can't, he says, but when the Spirit comes, he's going to teach you everything. Everything. And it's so good. Say it's so good. All right, so the anointing, really quick. We're going to run right through this. The anointing. 1 John 20, 27, the Amplified. But for you, the anointing, the sacred appointment, the unction to function, which you receive from him, it abides permanently in you. This isn't going to come and go. This isn't fragile. The anointed one, he is in you, and he's there permanently to stay. What is the anointing? The anointing is the person and the power of the Holy Ghost working through humanity to accomplish the or a divine purpose, the unction to function. It's him. It's the third person of the Trinity taking up residence in you, him coming in you, and he's giving you the power to function and to manifest everything that God wants to do in and through you. So Jesus, Jesus, look at Jesus. He didn't do any supernatural acts without the anointing. There's this progression in his ministry. The spirit came upon him at baptism. It drove him into the wilderness. It empowered him coming out of the wilderness. And then he stood up to teach and he said, I am anointed. That's the defining purpose of, of Jesus, the man, Christ Jesus, the man, Jesus of Nazareth. He was qualified to do everything he did because he was smeared, saturated, rubbed in, soaked, surrounded by Holy Spirit. Hello, is anybody home? Let's go. Give me another slide. Here we go. Boom. Acts 10, 38. I want to tell you how God anointed the man. He anointed Jesus who lived at 1044 Westboro Street. Jesus, there was a man, there was a man who lived in Nazareth who the Holy Ghost got on and the Holy Ghost anointed him with power and he went about doing good and healing all those oppressed of the devil. How do I want to talk about Jesus? What distinguished him? A man got anointed. A man got anointed. A man got smeared, rubbed, soaked, saturated, pickled with a person and power and purpose. No more P words right there. <laughs> oh, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. That's what happened right there. So let me finish. A Acts chapter 2, 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man. I mean, these are the early teachings of the church. They stood up and they said, let me tell you some men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man. Attested to by God, by miracles, wonders, and signs God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. He was anointed. God smeared him. God empowered him. A man got whacked in the Holy Ghost. Very, very important. You see, that was the problem John had was Jesus wasn't really a man. It was some vague spirit. It was some spirit that came upon a man, but he wasn't really God. There were so many false teachings that had to come against, but the thing that had to be understood was you got the anointing, the same anointing that got on that man, that anointing's got on you. You, and that anointing will teach you all things. That's how you overcome antichrist and how you overcome false prophets and false teachers. You have the anointing. And you know what? When you're listening to rubbish, the anointing just goes, he's really cute, but that's nonsense. Give me another screen. I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, if anyone steadfastly believes in me, he will himself be able to do greater things than I do. Are you kidding me? Greater things. He esteems us better than himself. He'll do even greater things than I do. Why? Because I go to the Father. So we can do greater things because he goes to the Father. Why can I do greater things? Because he went to the Father. Why is that important? Because of this slide. 
Luke 24, 48, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. See, when Jesus went into the throne room, when he went, I'm finished, I did everything, I now have qualified all of them to be saturated in the Holy Ghost. What qualifies you to be flooded and saturated with the Holy Ghost? The finished work of the cross and nothing else. Jesus said, you'll have power from on high because you dance, sing, shout, spit, fast, pray. No. You're, it's going to happen to you because I go to the Father. And when I get to the Father, the Father's going to go, well done. And then you go, Holy Spirit, your turn. High five. And the Holy Spirit said, are you kidding me? Look what they did to you. I'm not going down there. <laughs> he couldn't wait. He came so fast that when he hit Jerusalem, it was tongues of fire. When he put his brake pedals on, <laughs> I mean fire everywhere because he hit the planet fast and furious and on purpose. But you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, power, dunamis, you're anointed, folks. You're not trying to be anointed. You're not five courses away from being awesome. You are awesome. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is on you. That same anointing that animated the man Jesus is on you. And that will teach you. It'll keep you. It'll equip you. Don't listen to people who are anti-Christ who say, that's not it. It's not just Christ. It's special knowledge and other crazy things that you have to do. That's rubbish. If it wasn't rubbish, then you know what? The cross was nothing, and it's all your effort. And it turns our sanctification, our glorification, and all of our funding games into self-effort. And it never will be, because if that happens, it's not grace anymore by faith. It's your effort. And God will never condone something that takes the glory from him and his finished work of his son. But power, this is right in that you can look it up yourself. It's right there. Go pop it up on your computer. Look at the word dunamis. And it says it right there. It says that dunamis is inherent power, power residing in a thing, virtue in nature, explosive. It's miracles, morality, money, multiplication, and movement. The dunamis power of God produces that. That's right in the Bible dictionary. I'm not making that up. It said it. It has all those M words right there. The anointing will so advantage you if you'll just simply trust that it's all about him. All right, I'm going really fast. We're almost there. Anointed. The anointed are divinely advantaged. The anointing is tangible. The anointing flows. The anointing can get stored up. But ultimately, the anointing is to be released. The anointing is powerful. And you can feel the anointing. You can feel the tangible. You can experience the fact that you're anointed. It's real. It's genuine. It's powerful. But that anointing flows. You can loose that anointing. I love going places and just touching people. You know? Just, hey, how are you today? God bless you. Because you're anointed. It's the same anointing that Peter had when he walked into Walmart and his shadow you know, healed the lady over in aisle four at lingerie. Boom. You know, I don't know why he was in lingerie. That's really strange. But. but the power, that anointing on you, it's tangible. It flows. It radiates. It's the glory of God. And that, that can be stored in you. But ultimately, it's to be released into the affairs of the earth to manifest the kingdom of God. So the anointed are divinely advantaged. One more slide and I'm done, Cheryl. Praise Jesus. First John. Here we're back to First John. He said, because as he is... So are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. Well, that begs the question, how is he? He's seated on the throne. He's not troubled by a thing. 
He's exercising the reign and rule of his father. He's given all authority to the spirit to go forth and to bring forth the kingdom of God. And he's in absolute rest, absolutely reigning, absolutely ruling, absolutely victorious over every single affair. So that was what John was trying to get settled. Don't worry about antichrist teaching. Don't worry about false prophets. You have the anointing. You have the anointing of the Holy One. You have it. You have it. You do. You do. You're not trying to get it. You have it. It abides in you permanently. You didn't get yourself to get it. He gave it to you. You can't even unget it. Because the no that you might know, that no is something that's going to get on you and grip you that you can't even tear it away. It is so on you. You are so permanently anointed that you can never shake it off. Don't fret and worry. Am I really in? You're really in. You're anointed. You're fixed. You're established in him. And that power in and through your life is to be released and to animate you and to manifest the kingdom everywhere you go. Come on, stand up with me. Mm, wow. Wowzers. Hey, listen, can y'all pray? Just bow your heads right now. Just bow your heads and pray, eyes closed, and just, just pray. All the believers are praying. All the believers are praying. You know, listen, the biggest thing is, is that you're invited into the family, every one of you. Paul wrote this so you could all know that the same intimacy, the same fellowship with the Godhead, that same communion with Father, Son, and Holy Ghost that I experience, you can have it too. And you know what? That God is no respecter of persons. He literally, when he lays it out, he says, whosoever will come, come. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And he loves you and he's nuts about you. And he wants you to fully understand the revelation of what it is to have light, to have Christ in you. And you know, if you've never made that decision to say, Jesus, I want to be in the family. I want to be a child of God. I want to fully experience what it is to be a son of the father. If that's you today and you've never done it before, you're not sure, I don't know, but I want to. Or maybe you're here today and the enemy been lying to you and saying, you didn't make it, you're not quite in, I'm not sure about you. And you've never had that absolute assurance that you're a child of God. I want to pray for you. Because you need to know today, you need to know today that he's established you in him. So if that's you, I'm going to count to three. I'm actually going to go one, two, three. And when I do, if you want to say, I want in, I want in on the family, right? I'm not sure, but I want to be really sure. If that's you, I want to pray for you today. So when I count to three, just put your hand up so I can see it. Just put your hand up so I can see it. Are you ready? One, two, three, right there. Just put your hand up really high. Put your hand up really high. Thank you. Anyone else? Put your hand up really high. Just let me see it. Let me see it. What we're going to do, we're all going to pray together, all right? We're all going to pray. So you pray with me. We're all going to lift up our voice. You had your hand up. You lift up your voice and you pray. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for establishing me as your child. I receive right now the good news that I am forgiven, that I am healed, and I am free. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Fill me with your spirit. Holy Spirit, testify with my spirit that I am indeed a child of God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you put your hand up, somebody might come and tap you on the shoulder and just want to talk to you a little further because I don't want you just to make a decision. I want you to unpack all the wonderful stuff that God has for you. 
Come on, lift up your hands. We're going to pray. Sorry I kept you so long. It's just, uh, you know, I, I had Impact Church preaching retention. So, so I had to do it. I love you guys. I just love this church so much. And love you, love you, love you bunches. And I just pray you have an awesome day. I pray everything that you've put your hand to is just blessed. Pray everything that desire your heart just flourishes and comes towards you. Pray every obstacle right now would melt like wax in the name of Jesus. Pray that your body would be well, that your relationships would be sound, that your marriages would be awesome, that you would be a light and you are a light and that light would shine so big in your community, in your workplace, in your neighborhood and that people would see the glory of God all over you. I release you now in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I loose you as anointed people to go bring the radical good news of a loving God to this city and beyond. In Jesus' precious name, amen.